We're back. Welcome back to the Happy Balance Pod. Back by popular demand, this is part two of our three-part DM series. Okay, bye. When was your last relationship? <clears throat> I haven't known you in a relationship, or have I? And it was secret. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me that little <laughs> giggle. I have, haven't I? None worth knowing about, James. Okay. I haven't missed anything along the way. No, you'd be the first to find <laughs> out all about it. And we'd share it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. We might work up the to front, that one. That could be a new um, segment. Emma's relationship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. No. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to continue. Okay. I was gonna go. I'll go off record with that <laughs> one, Jules. <laughs> no, we're definitely not recording. <laughs> I can see the big screen over yeah, there. Yeah, I know. The studio is pretty good. You can see everything. Oh, this is really good. This is. You sound surprised. Comes into the next question that I'm going to ask you. If tomorrow was your last day, what will be left unsaid? I wrote that question. I know. And I think it's a great question. But I didn't have an answer for it. <laughs> I was just writing them out. Um, do you know, I actually think only in the last couple of years I am getting better at not tying up loose ends. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not going anywhere. With everyone. <laughs> no, but I'm getting better at actually saying what's on my heart. Like I think I have always been someone who is emotional and I wear my heart on my sleeve. But, yeah, I've had that fear of hurting people or saying the wrong thing and I don't know what it is in the last couple of years um, and maybe it's, becoming a mum, I don't know, maybe it's just the world's gone mad the last few years, um, just changes in circumstances, me doing more work on myself, but even and in my work, and I think we're going to have a whole episode on having hard conversations, like I preach about that from a, a workplace perspective. I think it's so important because I see what happens when people don't and so I've really been challenging myself to practice what I preach in my personal life as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, having conversations even when they're hard with not with everyone. Like I, ju- I don't think it's necessary to fight with the checkout chick if you don't agree with something she's said or someone on social media. I think like, again, that's just madness to spend our energy on that. Mm-hmm. But where I think it's worthwhile saying things that are hard is when it's with people that you love and respect and you respect that relationship. Yeah. So I've been working on that and I've been having conversations that I've maybe put off for years. I think more... And again, you know, I said my mother-in-law passed away um, over 12 months ago now. And I think that's always a turning point when you, when, you know, someone does pass away or you lose someone and it's a bit of a wake-up call to tell people how you feel. Mm. We don't tell people enough that we love them. Yeah. Or even just respect them or acknowledge them, you know? Yeah. Did it change your relationships with your parents? I'm glad we're not video recording this. <laughs> I now have tears in my See, I cry all the time. Um, I've, yeah, I've got a good relationship with my parents. I'm really lucky. Um, but did it, did it mean that you started telling them some things? Because I know most people probably don't 
I mean, we all appreciate our parents, but I don't think we tell our parents enough. Like we take them for granted, right? Did you, after your mother-in-law passed, did you start to think, okay, I need to start telling my parents this sort of stuff. I need to start cherishing these moments a little bit more. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. And I just, I think that's still some guilt that I probably hold as well of that, especially, you know, she was the grandmother of our daughters and Mm. um, I just, you can't get that time back. No. Well, I mean, you're still talking to her. (laughs) She's still here. You can't give her a hug but you can tell her everything you need to tell her. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I think um, in the last few years anyway, I think maybe it is becoming a mother but I have become you know, really close with, with my parents. And I think it's probably normal for, you know, a lot of people to not be as close with their parents when they're going through those teenage Mm -hmm. years and those difficult years. And you just want your independence and probably don't appreciate them and everything they've done for you. And then as you do get your independence and you grow up and you realize that, you know, they've been the constant, you know, for most of us, they're, They're your constant. They're there for everything. Um, so yeah, it it, um, it definitely it was a wake up call for me. And you know, even lucky enough to still um, still have one of my grandparents um, alive, but I don't get to see her as much as as I wish I did. Um, so yeah, seeing her hopefully this week as well, but. I don't know. It's it's sometimes I think you have these wake up calls and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do things differently and I'm going to, you know, um, visit my parents or give them a call every week and I'm going to do this. And then, or like, what happens? Life just gets in the way and we just we forget. So I think yeah, we need that Life gets reminder. Busy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was having a conversation with my whole family ages ago, actually, and you know, talking about succession and stuff like that. And my dad made a really good comment of, you know, I think we were talking about how we all get along and and whatnot and he made the comment basically, you don't have to like us and you don't have to get along with us but you have to get along with each other, your siblings. And that sort of has always stuck with me in terms of like, you know, where every, not everyone, but I do, and most people will love their parents unconditionally forever. And when they do pass, you know, it's terribly sad, but it's sort of inevitable for everyone, right? We need to learn how to live without them and, and move on. So making sure we do have those conversations and hold on to those memories and stuff of them Um but just being, I guess, um, acknowledging all of our relationships and what they are there for and um, not taking them for granted, right, when, mm. when you do have them. Uh, so it's, it's such a tough one, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Should we ask one or two more questions? Yeah. Ooh. 
Should we keep going on the same trend? You've, I love that you've written all of these really deep questions and I'm like, now nah, that we're going with fun <laughs> questions, yeah. I thought we were going deep and I'm just reading yours. What is your top three used emojis? Yeah, this is deep. Let's analyse it. Okay, getting my phone out. Do you already know what yours is? No, nah, probably the laughy face. Yeah, mine might be the laughy face. Mine are mm, the laughy face. Mm. And then laughy with tears. Yeah, laughy with tears. And on the side? Not on the side. Um, I, I saved that one for really big laughy okay. moments. Then. Um, Thumbs up. Then I've got the hearts around the face, like yeah. the love one. And then thumbs up. And then the sideways laughy one. Mm, okay. Mine is, mine's the laughy face, but just, yeah, closed eyes, big smile, laughy face. We obviously have really funny friends. Yeah. It's you and me just laughing at each other. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know why it's this heart because I don't use this heart very often, but it's the red heart with the little dot at the bottom. Oh. Yeah, that's not on my list. And then my third one. Is the worried face. Oh, I is know. it? I don't have any worried faces or I have the one with the he's covering his face when he's oh, looking yeah. out. That's about the the most shocking one I have. Oh, and I have the spirally eyes one. That's the last of my oh, frequently yeah. used one. That's yeah. obviously after a fun weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a that was profound. I hope everyone enjoyed that. <laughs> I was hoping for something more exciting yeah, in the Sorry. <clears throat> okay, Emma, what would you tell your five-year-old self if you could go back in time? That's big. Yeah, I told you, all of mine are deep. I know. Um, um, what would I tell my five-year-old self? It would be something around just... Owning who you are, owning your truth, listening to your intuition um, and just um, it's a really tough question because I feel like I'm in a really good space mentally now but I'm not really sure how I got here. <laughs> mm. um, but I think just like trust your gut and trust that the universe is sending you on the right path and there's, you know, there'll be ups and downs but stick with it, hold true to you, love the people around you but, you know, go 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 your way. You don't have to follow everyone else's footsteps. I love that. Mm. Were you confident as a little girl? Yeah, I think so. I think I lost confidence somewhere in my teens, like most girls. Mm. Not sure. There was certainly a, a, a period of time in there where you you lose your way. And I now, being on the other side of that, feel like maybe we all do that. Um, but at the time I didn't really think much of it. I really wish, this is what I'd tell my five-year-old self actually, is to journal. I really wish that I had written things down mm. um, and not necessarily just what I'd done but I'd written down how I felt, like just everything because I look back now and I'm like I don't really have that many clear memories. Yeah. 
as a as a kid. What would, what would you tell your five year old self? Yeah, I love the trust your gut thing. I think that's something I'm again only learning now. I think everyone only learns mm. it about their third decade. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah I was pretty confident little girl. Yeah, I shouldn't say even though I was the youngest, but yeah, I was a bit of a little sook. But in terms of, like, I was actually really confident within myself as a little girl and, and growing up and same as you, probably same as a lot of women. Yeah, lost that confidence probably in my early 20s for mm. a little while there before I got it back and I was like, where is that? Like, Do you know what, why you lost your confidence? Boys. Yeah, that's yeah. same. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to name and shame but, <laughs> and again, it's probably not even them, it's just... A stage that you go through. I think that's, you know, it's where you do you, especially if you're in a relationship or something in that early age, like as a female, like I think naturally we give a lot more, right, and you tend to get swept up in that world, especially like first love, you're like I'm just, you know, it's all about them. Uh, and it's so hard. Whatever yeah. they're going through and then. Like I look back at my first relationship and I'm like, I had no idea who I was, no yeah. idea. I don't think I spent any time whatsoever even thinking about my path. Yeah. Which is really interesting. I think I was in a relationship from 16 to until I was 24, nearly 25. Two, uh, two, two different relationships, but pretty much. At the same time. No, <laughs> that sounds really bad. Like 16 to 19 and then whatever until 24 or something. So like really formative mm, yes. time and I had no, I I didn't really know myself without someone. Mm. So which is probably not uncommon but. Um, I think you were one or the other, right? Yeah. You were like back-to-back relationships or not. Yeah. Yeah, and you all go through different stages of finding yourself. So whether that's early 20s or like for me, it took um, being out of a relationship and being on my own and then going through, you know, a really difficult time after that relationship broke down personally. And then for me, it was traveling. And, you know, we've talked about the importance of travel and and things, but it took that for me to actually... um, Oh, that sounds so cliche. I don't want to say it, but you know what I'm about to say. Find myself. <laughs> Pray love. Um, no, but genuinely being on your own on the other side of the world without your support network, without, you know, your friends or your family to just fall back into and for people to just tell you that, you know, everything's okay. Like that for me, it really took that to actually stand on my own two feet and be really honest with myself um, to work through a lot of um, a lot of stuff that I just wasn't dealing with because I you know I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. But when you're on your own and you're on the other side of the world, you kind of have to just put on your big girl pants, as they mm-hmm. say. Well, I was in Scotland and pa- pa- pants were actually undies over there, so I learnt that pretty quickly as well <laughs> that I'd have to stop saying, I've got a rip in my pants. Like they're my only pair of pants. They're like, what? Trousers. Trousers. Mm. Um, pair of trousers. So for me, yeah, I was super confident as a young girl and 
loved being like a country girl as well, loved um, going to a small primary school and, um, you know, being one of the boys almost playing footy because there wasn't many girls in my primary school and all of that sort of stuff. And high school was all fine and then, yeah, going through that kind of early 20s, really normal period, I guess, but just questioning everything and, mm. yeah, it took for me being on my own. And it's funny, I was talking to someone that I I always find it interesting when you meet people at certain times of your life and they don't know your background or your history or whatever. So if you meet someone now in your mid-30s and they're like, oh, Emma, she's the she's the lawn beach chick, but they don't actually know that, you know, you could be Emma from LA or mm. Emma from Glenorchy, like from the farm mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I was talking to someone and they're like, oh, you were like super fit and stuff when you were. <laughs> Does he not anymore? I don't mean fit. No, no. <laughs> but when I was in Scotland and I'm like, I didn't go into it, but I was like, that was, I was so unhealthy. Like mm. mentally I wasn't in a good place at all. I had all this stuff going on um, and I was really not healthy. Like. I played sport, but I was at my most unhealthy, um, not that weight should come into it, but I, you know, just didn't really have a healthy relationship with food and I was overweight and, you know, it was just really unhealthy. And they were like, that's so interesting because I saw you as like this fit Aussie chick that was in Scotland. Mm. Um, Comes back to perspective, doesn't it? I had this yeah. conversation with someone the other day about healthy people. And like, you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, you're skinny. You must be really healthy. And it's like, well, no, like that can be really unhealthy. And like, or you run all of the time. They must be really healthy. Well, maybe, maybe not. Like, you know, there's some people who just like the superficial sort of side of things see that, don't they? That's a perspective that we all don't necessarily share. Well, do you remember that time? Um, when my firstborn was like nine or ten months and I ran into you and I was like a waif of a person yes. and you even said like, oh, my God, how are you going? You look so great. Like just you look great. Mm. You were probably just saying I'm trying to pep up a tired mother and I was like and you'd lost a lot of I'd weight lost very quickly. a lot of weight. <laughs> So, you know, when you say to people, like, you look great and you've lost weight, you take that as a, like, oh, well, that's a good thing. Skinny is small, like, small is good. And, you know, we had these discussions with Kelsey the other week. Um, and, again, broke down because I'm such an emotional person, but I'm like, Em, I'm not okay. Like, I'm eating McDonald's all the time. I'm not sleeping. I'm breaking out in hives every night because my daughter's up, like, eight or nine times overnight. Like, I'm I'm not coping and I was only losing so much weight because I was breastfeeding, like, eight mm. times a night and five or six times a day. Um. So, yeah, it's really interesting though, like on the outside people would be like, oh, Jules is looking great, she's fit and healthy, and I was like a shell she's of a person. bouncing back. Bouncing back, God. I don't think you're supposed to bounce back very quickly from oh, I pregnancy. Think so. I, I think, think you're supposed to be carrying a little bit of extra energy for you and your baby, aren't you? I yeah. You've I done it twice. I don't know. No right or wrong. That's it. It is, it is what is. Um, I've got the next question, which again, I feel like I've of, been talking a lot. Kind of follows on. Okay. Um, what is your greatest travel experience? Greatest travel experience. 
doesn't have to be profound, but it can be. So we've already spoken about how, you know, important travel was for you finding yourself, but yeah. I think like in general, I'm just so proud of myself and I'm going to be pushing my girls out the door when they're <laughs> however old. I might regret saying that because I won't want them to leave, but I think just me making the choice to go against the grain a little bit because it was a little bit at the time, like you'd go to London with your mm-hmm. best mate or whatever and um, nothing against London, but I was just like I don't, I had no interest in it. I wanted I to pick up my life here and drop it in London yeah, with all the yeah. same people and yeah. Yeah, so even just choosing Edinburgh, like I had never been to Scotland before and I was just like, oh, that looks pretty. I don't know. I don't. I didn't know anyone there. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a house. I didn't have um, their equivalent of like a tax file number, which you need to, like it was the ultimate clusterfuck of trying to set myself up over there. But again, that was like the biggest learning experience for me to be able to just navigate all of that on my own and just figure it out and you know, join a netball club and like, oh, the people are just, the people, the Scottish people, shout out to all my Scottish (laughs) listeners. (laughs) But just people in general were so welcoming, Um, you know, a lot of those being Aussies as well that were living over there so had been through the similar experiences. Um, So that in itself, like actually just saying I'm going to do this and move to Edinburgh was it's probably my greatest experience in general, but I will also say I had a Christmas in Lapland, so Amazing. Finland, Sweden, Norway, and it was just incredible. And my sister and her now husband came over and um, one of my friends who was living in London and her mate, and it was just I'd never seen snow before, Em. Like I'd never been oh, to the snow and amazing. we literally wake up in, you know, winter in, I don't know, Finland probably first um, and it was just incredible. So that's one of the really special places for me. Good. It's a white Christmas. Yeah. Like it's amazing. So good. Christmas markets, mulled mm. wine. Like I'm just such so a good. Christmassy person that Christmas in the Northern Hemisphere is incredible. Yeah. Mm. That's amazing. I, I think remember my first real white Christmas. Actually, it's really the only one I've had and it was just, it's so magical. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, this is just like the movies. It, I think that's why it's so special, isn't it? Yeah. That's what you're sort of told is Christmas as a little kid. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. I think I know what yours is, but it's one of my questions anyway was to tease it out. But tell us about your most profound travel experience. Is it your recent one? I want to know what, yeah, what do you think my most profound travel experience is? Is it your recent Bali one? Oh, yeah. Um, Let me think. I mean, you've had so many travel experiences, but I just think. I think they're all profound and, like, life-changing. I do a lot of travel by myself. Mm. I haven't travelled with people much Mm. and I love that. Um. Bali was amazing. So I went over and did my yoga teacher training. And so that has a whole like spiritual life changing kind of element built into it, which I think is 
like it is really special, but you kind of go expecting that mm. sort of like you don't really know what you're going for, but that's the reason to go is to sort of find that space and find that something that you're looking for. Um, it probably, no, I'm a bit the same with you, like moving to LA, not knowing anyone, just not having a job, none of that sort of stuff. That was probably like, that's where, like, I think things really like switched for me. Like I had this change and I think that's where I started to, you know, delve a little bit deeper and, you know, ask myself more questions about why I was who I was, you know, why I'd done certain things. Whereas before that, I think I'd just been following the, you know, expected path or whatever it is. Like I'd I'd gone to uni, I'd gone to uni twice, I'd gone over and worked on a summer camp. That was also really great. Like that was my first trip overseas and mm. I'll never forget first trip overseas by myself flying to New York and, you know, small little country girl finding myself in New York City. Miley Cyrus style, what's that song? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, and that was hugely eye-opening of like figuring out how the hell do I get from Melbourne through LAX to New York uh, and at every airport I got pulled aside and patted down for, like, explosives. And I'm like, do I look like someone who's <laughs> a threat? Um, anyway, so I think every travel experience has had its different, um, you know, benefits or whatnot, life-changing experiences, depending on how you look at it. You know, I also had a trip through Central America, which was like full of activity and like sliding down the side of a volcano on a piece of tin. Like that sort of stuff is just like I'll look back at whitewater rafting. I've done a lot of whitewater rafting and just, you know, I'm a bit of a sucker for activities and those sorts of things Um, that it's just, like it fills my cup so much that I'm just like, yep, this is like the greatest moment of my life sort of mm. thing. And to be doing it in a group of people that you don't necessarily know, so you're also just like expanding your connections and like, you know, this you can be open and vulnerable and just be you without yeah. Not that I worry what other people think, but without the expectations of other people that you should be behaving in this way, that you should be doing this or that you should be at this point in your life or you should have this or whatever. I think solo travel is just like one of the greatest things you can do. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us at Instagram at the Happy Balance Pod and share us your thoughts. Till next time. Bye.